We brought you damn good beer. Now we're bringing to you damn good beef. And it's so damn good that we're actually serving it at the DMVR bar. Uh, that's right. You can now head down to the DMVR bar and get yourself a burger made of the finest Hassle Cattle Company Wagyu beef. Um, seriously, it's, it's build your own burger. You get to pick all the toppings you want. And uh, it's as good as it sounds. It lives up to the hype. I was kind of skeptical at first because I thought, you know, it's it's a burger. Like, how, how different could it be? But it turns out the answer is very different and in a very good way. Um, also, if you're not in town or you're looking for something a little bit fancier than a burger, well, check out this deal. You can get uh, buy three, get one free blank steaks from HassleCattleCompany.com if you use the code DNVR blank. That's D-N-V-R-F-L-A-N-K. And they're already super affordable. They're only $9.99. And now they're like, what does that work out to be? Like $6.67 or something per steak when you get the, the buy three, get one free deal. Um, it's seriously the best place to go to for Wagyu beef. They call it blue collar Wagyu because they make it affordable for everybody. Um, they don't use antibiotics. They don't use hormones. Uh, their bulls are registered. They use Angus cows. They, they do everything the right way. And you can tell when you eat the beef. So head to HassleCattleCompany.com. That's H-A-S-S-E-L-L CattleCompany.com. Use the promo code DNVR10 for 10% off your order. That's DNVR10 for 10% off. Or DNVR Flank for buy three, get one free flank steaks. Um, we promise you will not be disappointed. We're back, guys. Another DNVR Draft Pod presented by DraftKings Sportsbook. I'm Justin Michael. We got Hank back finally. He decided, hey, I want to be a part of the crew. I want to work. I don't just want to golf all summer. We got Andre Simone. We got Jake Schwanitz. I'm I'm pumped for today's episode. We're revisiting the 2020 draft class, talking about their stock. We're going to visit some props, who we're buying into, who we're selling, all that fun stuff. Guys, how's everybody's week going? Because mine has been kind of a cluster. Yeah, me too. Great week. Hey, you're having a rough one, Henry. You got a rough stretch. Aside from all the golfing in Montana and nature and all Other that, but that, that yeah. laptop stuff. You know, this is just summer and adulthood, boys. Um, you know. It sounds about right. Honestly, Perhaps. I think schooling gives you uh, an inappropriate expectation for what summer is. This is summer. Especially as a sport, well, I guess as a football fan, not someone exactly. who's a big basketball or hockey fan that I, I am, that's a, it's a pretty dead period. It's a dead period, but um, I guess I've got a quick question for, for our panel here to kind of start us off. I, I assume I know the answer, but who am I to assume anything? Um, but I, I dare I say this is a pro horns down uh, podcast that we don't take kindly to this BS Big 12, uh, no, no taunting rule. It's so, so dumb. There you go. It's there so dumb. Horns down, baby. Um, you know, and all respect to Texas and whatever. And we're we're all in. But also, by no respect to Texas. You cry, babies. Go win a game, and then I'll stop taunting you. Exactly. I saw. I saw a tweet that said, "If you don't want people to horns down, stop them from scoring." I mean, you ain't wrong. You ain't wrong. And how did this start? Like, like did Texas like go to the Big Twelve and say, 
guys, come on. You're, you're yes, making fun of us. It comes so down to Texas donors throwing a fit. That it's big money, old people, Texas money being like, it's disrespectful. I guarantee you, if you pulled, the, if you pulled the the Texas roster, most of them would be like, "It's all in good fun. It's a part of the rivalry." I mean, it's just, it's a part of it. Every everywhere CSU goes, you know, we have to hear it sucks to be a CSU Ram. That's mocking their chant. What am I going to do? Throw a temper tantrum and then talk about how that's like rude and disrespectful? When you don't want the opposing fans to taunt you, you don't want the oppos- opposing players to talk trash. When. Yeah, don't give them yeah. something to celebrate. That's exactly right. But um, I mean, to a greater point, this is exactly why the Big 12 will always be the Big 12 because it's really ruled by one school, and that school is Texas. And by the way, that's why everyone hates Texas. They are that's the why big OU's dog. been trying to leave for 15 years. They're everyone's rival. And um, yeah, that's just the deal. All right. Well, there you go. Horns down, far from horns down though on this pod because uh, good stuff, a retrospective, if you will, looking back at some of the top performers and underperformers, if that's even a term that people use from the past draft class, the 2020 NFL draft. Um, see who we expect to bounce back and see if maybe we expect some ugly trends to kind of uh, rear their head once again and which trends to continue. We are starting with the backfield. The 2020 draft was an intriguing one with um, quarterbacks such as Joe Burrow, Tua Tagovailoa, Justin Herbert selected, not to mention Jordan Love, who we did not get to see much of, and who knows if that'll change this upcoming season. We're certainly intrigued by that. And on the running back side, you've got Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, um, DeAndre Swift, who's obviously a favorite, Cam Akers. I saw Antonio Gibson and A.J. Dillon props out there on our presenting sponsor, the DraftKings Sportsbook app. So, yeah, who's got you most intrigued? Maybe the biggest question here is uh, Tua, frankly. Jake, you proposed this game. You start us off. Tua. With the full season, what are you expecting after? I mean, let's be honest. Last year, 1,800 yards. He was a, a game manager of sorts, but not the mercurial talent we saw at Alabama, who, I mean, from the second he came on the field with the tide, he was changing games and changing championships. Well, just in general, I'm expecting some improvement. I mean, just coming off that injury and a rookie season, uh, COVID, all these factors going into last year for Tua. Um, I think it was just because he was benched a few times, it looked a little worse than it did, and it gave reason for people to pile on. Uh, this year, I think it's really his show, and I think he will play better. Uh, just looking at the DraftKings props, though, I mean, they're pretty pretty high up there. I mean, if you really think this guy's going to fail, I mean, this is easy pickings. I think the over-under for touchdowns is 24 and a half. Uh, passing yards, I think, was – See four thousand. So if you're really not a fan, yeah, if you're not a fan of Tua, I mean that those are some juicy numbers to hit the under on. Um, But I think this offense has been retooled a bit. Uh, Hopefully, the change in offensive coordinator kind of elevates not only Tua but the entire offense. Mm -hmm. Man, those props are so high, though. I mean, if there's any kind of struggling, I mean, this is just like expecting him to come in 
almost like a completely different player at those numbers. Yeah. Uh, Justin, you're our Bama guy. Uh, how are you feeling about Tua? Because that number really is whew, something. Yeah, 24 touchdowns would be a, a pretty substantial leap, obviously, from what we saw last year. I don't think it's completely out of the question. I, I like their receiving core. I think if Preston Williams is healthy, again, another one of the guys that I got to watch pretty frequently, they have some decent downfield options to stretch the field, and that's something Tua did pretty well at Bama. Look, he's not like a, a, a deep ball pass or anything like that. Everything has always been predicated on timing, and he's really accurate. And, you know, inherently, I think he is a bit of a game manager to an extent. But I also think he was a bit hamstrung just by a pretty lackluster, pretty just non-aggressive philosophy that we saw from that Dolphins offense last year. It was it was not fun to watch. As somebody that was a big Tua fan and was hoping to, you know, be kind of excited last year, the entire time I was watching it, just felt like, I mean, who would succeed in this in this scheme? Yeah. Yeah, it makes sense. To me, you know, like I I I'm I really like Tua. I'm high on Tua. Um, I'm still taking the under on those numbers, though. Like, those are just too high. I mean, to get 4,000 passing yards, that's that feels like an easy bet at this point, just to take the under. And even if he does hit them, I'm not going to feel bad about the bet. Yeah. I will oh, say totally. he threw for 300-plus in two of the final four games. So, you know, maybe if, maybe if he comes out hot, it's... 4,000 yards isn't what it used to be, I guess, is, is what I'm saying. Well, and you add an extra game now on top of that. That is true. Right. That you do need to refactor that into all this. I mean, you're expecting a big jump from Gasecki. You're expecting guys like Will Fuller to stay healthy and Jalen Waddle to make an immediate impact. Those kind of guys stick on top of a Jakeem Grant, a Lynn Bowden Jr., who, you know, we were high on and then didn't even stick. Um, and that all of a sudden is a much more diverse attack to go to. And you do have more like field stretchers and spacers, which like the Justin was saying is kind of what Tua is going to want more so than like last year. It was just like contested ball guys. That's it. And that's a lot to ask out of a rookie to have the confidence to like time and time again, just be like, okay, go get Throw it, it up. Yeah. yeah. Um, but man, it's, I like what they did with their wide receivers, but of course the big question mark coming out of the draft was what's that um, backfield going to look like? And you're left with merely Miles Gaskin and Malcolm Brown. Not a lot to get excited with there. And you're counting on a lot out of Robert Hunt and Austin Jackson as your bookends on your O-line. So I, I don't know. I really don't know. I guess there are, and you know, it's going to be a division, which... If the Patriots get everyone back, you're maybe facing a top three defense twice a year. You'd assume the Bills will start to get right. You know, so <laughs> you're asking a lot out of Tua. And I don't know. I mean, beyond this prop, you want like, what's that? What do you set that number at for Tua to be the unquestioned starter going into 2022? And then not to be flirting around and trying out a Malik Willis, a Sam Howell, a Spencer Rattler, and all the guys that we're already looking forward to seeing in this next college football season. Like, what do you need out of Tua? Because 
while the production maybe is going to line up with something along 4,000 yards, we need a lot more than what we saw last year. Well, just looking at last year's stats, I mean, he really took care of the ball. Um, mm -hmm. He threw five interceptions yep. all year. Three were in the final game. Um, only lost one fumble. So, I mean, he's going to be able to take care of the ball, and that's something he's really always done well. Yeah. Um, so from that regard, it's just a matter of ceiling, I suppose, right? I mean, if he's able to kind of, you know, take care of the ball and just kind of keep the offense on track and just let Brian Flores' defense kind of dictate the pace of the game and just keep them in the game, um, he's going to have a really solid chance. And, I mean, there's Jacoby Brissett behind him now. There's no Fitzpatrick there to bail him out anymore. Yeah. So it's basically sink or swim. Yeah, and to me, what I want to see about from Tua is like start using those legs more. That's what I really think was missing a year ago. Beyond taking those deep shots, which like you're starting your career, I'm almost fine with you being a little more conservative and taking your time. And you're you do a good job of pointing out how he's been. Um, able I wish to Drew Locke had a little things. bit more Tua yeah. in him at times. Yeah, hundred percent, hundred percent. But now Tua's got to tap into some of that Drew Locke. Yeah. Yeah. It's just the balance, you know, it's, yep. it's easy 100%. to nitpick these guys. It's one of those where it's, you want to see them be aggressive because the rules incentivize it. But also beyond that, it's like when you see a guy like Locke who physically seems to be incapable of taking the check down at times, it's just like, I'll, I can live with a guy that's not going to lose me the game. And that's certainly to especially when you have a defense that says as dominant as Miami should be. But like Dre said, with the Pats getting everyone back, I don't know. It's it's going to be an interesting situation. The Bills are obviously going to be really, really good. I don't know. That's a, that's a brutal division to be an up-and-coming quarterback in. Yeah. Real quick, though, on Tua, I just, like, thinking about to that final year at Alabama, I wish – I really hope this offense is more fine-tuned, like, you know, just catch-and-run RPO-type stuff where Tua can kind of put that quick mental process in. Just quick read, yeah. Yeah, and he was just—he's not necessarily a great athlete, but he was like really smooth and twitched up. You know what I mean? Yep. Like he went through totally. those reads really quick. So just get back to that for him, and I think we could really start to see improvement in his game. He's elusive yep. in the pocket. Hundred percent. I mean, it's one of his better qualities on top of yeah. his consistency and accuracy. Um, his deep ball, you know, but twitched up is absolutely what he is. Um. Joe Burrow is going to be another interesting one. His prop set at 4,200, Hank. Um, I guess the question with him is, does he stay healthy? But also, like, what's the real trajectory of this Bengals offense? Yeah, I, uh, I, I, I'm in on Joe Burrow, too. I think 4,200, again, that's a lot of yards for a young quarterback. And I know that young quarterbacks have been putting up better numbers than ever the last few years and Joe Burrow was playing really well when he was on the field last season it's just so hard to take the over on these guys you know I, I think swapping out AJ Green for Jamar Chase that's an upgrade for sure yeah. but is it a day one upgrade and and what are you doing with Jamar Chase early in the season are you comfortable like again he's a contested catch guy he does some other stuff well but i don't know i have i have my doubts about that offense in general just kind of the talent around him not not that they're like bad but 
they aren't they aren't anything special. And and I could see how things could kind of spiral there, especially because he is coming off an injury. And there are the questions about his health. But I don't know. I guess if I had to take a side, I'd probably take the over just because he did look so good last year. I just am very uncomfortable doing it. For context, one quarterback out of the 2020 draft class even threw for 3,000 yards, let alone 4,000. So, I mean, Herbert went for 4,300, but Joe Burrow was number two at 2,688. So, I mean, 4,000, that's a 1,300-yard jump. It's its not impossible with an improved receiving core. Obviously, he has a big arm. We saw what he could do at LSU with the right tools, but that's I don't know. I'm just... Games, though. True. Good point. That's, yeah. uh, Good point. 268 yards per game, essentially. So you're on pace for 4,500 in 17 games. But maybe the over, maybe, you know, when he kind of, when you laid out that way, yeah, he really didn't struggle as a rookie either. I mean, he was kind of learning on the run and really just going with it and looking good at the same time. I'm very interested to see if this offensive line they will hold up though. Um, yeah. I love the stable of backs. I love the weapons, but man, if Burroughs just getting killed back there and this is a, I don't know, 40, 50 sack team or something. It's just, it's going to be killer. Um, mm. Potentially could, you know, grow hurt again, or maybe just get him frantic up in the head, which would really kind of ruin what he's best at, which is that, you know, mental processing. Um, in yeah. terms of the props though, I think I like the touchdowns one 26 um, over under 26 and a half, especially with Jamar chase. I think they're going to have that rapport. Um, I mean, I'm not expecting chase to have like a 13 touchdown season, uh, but I think 26 or I guess 27 in this case is easily doable for Joe Burrow. Uh, the 4,200 yards, I would probably go a bit conservative on that one under just because it's a big number. Can I ask you guys something as far as these quarterbacks go? Yeah. Would you still take Joe Burrow number one after what yeah. we saw in hindsight? No, no way. You it's got to be Herbert, Herbert right? Yeah, you have to take Herbert. You have to take Herbert. I, I love Joe and I love his swagger. I, oh, I think sure. his ceiling's very high, but with what we saw from, I don't know, it, it feels a lot like the Josh Allen debate to me, you know, going back to what we were talking about a couple weeks ago. He's, he's so big, he's so strong. His ceiling over the next 12 years, it just feels so much higher. It's also yeah. in s- such a better situation, too, though. Great point. That's true. Yeah. And I mean, and healthy, you know, but I, I think that factors in is the health, the athleticism. And we always talk about how that there are skills or traits that give you those extra margins. Herbert just has those extra margins and he's just quelled just about all the concerns we had, which were more consistency, confidence, playing with accuracy and poise. He, he put it together enough and has just such a rare ceiling when he puts it together enough that I don't know. It's a, it, it's a toughie to say no. And it's, this was probably a really tough number to set for Vegas because he already goes for uh 4,331 touchdowns last year. So they've set it at 4,450 this year. I mean, which like for reference, Josh Allen's 4,550, um, you know, these Kyler are Herbert's Murray's, props. Yeah. These are Herbert's props. Matt Ryan's the same number that Herbert has, 4450. 
So Herbert's already being vaulted to a, a pretty lofty number, and he's at, the touchdowns is 28 and a half. Again, he, he had 31 last year. So you're, this number is interesting because there's almost some like a ceiling to how high can you go and some built-in regression to some extent. Sophomore slump. Yeah, and I mean, certainly expectations have changed in a major way. Because you were kind of playing with house money last year on a team that whatever, it doesn't even matter if they're losing or winning because this guy's so exciting. Now expectations are much more real. Um, they got a lot more film on him too. Yeah. Yeah. I, how can you not like the touchdown prop? Though? They're going to, I mean, they're going to throw it all over the place. Like, well, my my only concern really with the charges, I guess, is I don't really know if they really improved their weapons all too much. You know, um, it didn't really matter though. True, yeah. but I mean, you had guys like Jalen Guyton out there making big plays for them last year. I mean, if he can kind of come in and do the same thing or maybe better, great for them. Um, but I mean, if you have a quarterback that's as talented as Herbert, I would have figured he'd at least want to get some more talented pieces around him, and they really didn't do anything. Um, so I think regression is absolutely to be expected in some degree. Um, but yeah, like we said, Dre, that touchdown number is really low, especially when you factor in the extra game. Um, I mean, 29 touchdowns for a guy that threw 31 uh, in right. his second year under seemingly, or we'll see at least, a better head coach or someone with more uh, game sense uh, in the heat of the moment would probably at least be good for another couple touchdowns at least just because he doesn't right. have Anthony Lynn screwing over the game every time for him. The scheme change will be really interesting. And you're right. Are their weapons diversified enough? Um, are you putting maybe too much on his back? It's something that Oregon tried desperately to avoid is not putting too much on Herbert's plate. And now it kind of looks like, well, why yeah, maybe they should have put a little more yeah. on him, though. No, for sure. hundred percent. hundred percent. Hindsight being 2020, that's hundred percent what they should have done. But yeah, now we're kind of in like wait and see mode of, well, and I, I used to talk about a lot, like, you know, running quarterbacks will have a bit more success earlier on, but the regression tends to be a little harder. Um, there are always factors at play, but I don't know, like Vic, RG3, obviously a lot of outside factors, Cordell Stewart having early success. Jay Cutler was very athletic, you know, kind of peaking pretty early. Um, you know, and it's a question people have about Lamar. You wonder about a guy like Carson Wentz. But again, so much of these are injuries where you're relying too much on your athleticism. That's maybe one of the biggest question marks with Herbert is does he rely too much on his legs, get himself hurt? Problem is, he's the size of a tight end. Um, he, guys were just bouncing off him as he scrambled last year. It was something pretty wild. Cam Newton, Ben, Big Ben, Young in their prime levels. Like, whoa, this dude plays quarterback type stuff. Um, those dudes also broke down pretty brutally, you know, over time. So it's. That I mean, those are the comps, though, right? And those would be your oh, totally fair. And I think they're like very Hayden, accurate, Josh yeah. Allen. Uh, so yeah, but I mean, I think going into this next season, how Herbert develops is absolutely one of the more fascinating questions. 
we have. We have no Jordan Love props, and I don't I don't know that there's much need to have a discussion about him while we don't know if he's going to be stuck behind Aaron Rodgers for another couple of years or actually be thrown into the mix. But, Hank, before closing out on the quarterbacks, we got to talk about Jalen Hurts. You were high on him going in. He got us excited um, at Oklahoma. And his numbers in the 3,600s, he had some flashes early and also some rookie struggles in a pretty like toxic situation in Philly a year ago. Now, yeah. assuming he's the starter, which, geez, he should be, but never put anything past management in Philly. Um, what are you expecting? I mean, it's just so hard to get a read on it because it's, like you said, just a terrible situation. Like, like, what did he have to work with? It is. Terrible. The best thing he had to work with was probably Deshaun Jackson at age, whatever age he is. Um, there's no, nothing from the running backs. The offensive line is bad. Uh, you had like Zach Ertz and uh, Goddard, but I'm not even so sure that's great. And so, yeah, things were pretty ugly last year. But would it have been any different for anybody else? And what? One in three. What was Burrow? Burrow was like two, seven, and one, I think. So Hertz even comes out of this with a better winning percentage than Joe Burrow did, despite uh, all that stuff. So, yeah, I mean, I'm curious to see what Jalen Hurts looks like. I, I think it takes a creative offensive coordinator to yeah. put him to good use. Yeah. I don't expect to see that from philly i don't i mean i guess you probably expect rager to be better um but i i mean i i think that he probably doesn't look all that great but i'm still not going to be willing to put it on him what kind of props do we have available for him well the intriguing one is 655 rushing yards he ran for 354 a year ago that was in four games. Um, yeah. Someone double check that for me. Passing four starts, yards. 15 games. Four so. Well, yeah. Um, so. <laughs> and, oh, I had it right here. Yeah. 36.50 passing yards. Yeah, I'm so taking the under on that. I would too. And it's of the four guys, three. Face uh, under new schemes, new head coaches. Um, and I mean, Zach Taylor is the one I have the least amount of confidence in. So there's your continuity for Burrow. So, and that that doesn't help your production. And also, of course, the under is always a bet on, you know, getting benched or injured or what have. So the under. Um, That's very always, much in the possibility with Hertz. You know, I, I love Jalen and as a guy that, I feel like we kind of got the full Jalen Hurts experience last year. If you yeah. if you watched him at Bama, there were flashes where you you were like, "This guy is as athletic as anybody in the country. He can do things." You can see the leadership characteristics, but then you know, there's he has pretty pretty steep limitations when it comes to what he can do as a passer. I I do think he gets underrated at times for his passing abilities. But I mean, there's a reason that they switched things up at Alabama. There's a reason because, you know, they just kind of realized, you know, this is this is our ceiling as a passing offense with Jalen Hurts. I don't know. Maybe if you put him in a Lamar type situation where you just completely 
change how you operate as a team. You're going to basically lean in and be like, we're just going to use this guy's skill sets. He he can do things that other quarterbacks can't. I think that's probably your best bet. Are they bold enough to do it? I doubt it in Philadelphia. Other than the three games where he only threw one pass, um, he never got above 56% completion percentage. And, you know, say what you want about completion percentage. I know it's not really the best stat, but um, it can really be telling. wasn't. Yeah, he really wasn't uh, good as a passer last year. Really, where I think the value lies, though, in terms of his player props, um, go to his uh, rushing touchdowns over under seven and a half. You can get over seven and a half at plus 100, um, which, I mean, for a guy that had three rushing touchdowns in the last three games last year, um, and he's kind of got that that uh, running pro, uh, running quarterback profile, you know, where he's going to be a weapon on the goal line. He's probably yeah. going to get multiple one-yard, two-yard touchdowns. Um, over seven and a half at plus 100, I think it's pretty easy. It's the Tebow special quarterback dive out of the shotgun. Nope. I like that. Yeah, and even if he gets benched, he's probably still being brought in in those kind of packages. And might, might Where are you at with Jalen Hurts, Trey? Like, he's exciting. He, be- he makes the Eagles much more exciting. I think, um, I think, honestly, his arm was underrated, and Lincoln Riley proved that. Um, uh, gosh, he, he is a really talented thrower on the run, but you got to invest in a guy like that. You got to invest, you got to surround him with a system that that's going to present some continuity and has a legitimate plan to make him succeed. And I, I don't know if that's it. And the ultimate question with Jalen is always going to be, does he have the high enough traits to justify going all in on adapting your offense to them. And I mean, that's why Bama bailed, like plain and simple. So I, I love Jalen. I, I mean, he's going to be must-watch TV. He he is dope. But those are, in a nutshell, that's kind of the, the, the general. The tough part is I don't know if we'll ever truly know what Jalen's ceiling is if they don't craft the offense around him and lean in. Because I think we've seen more or less what his ceiling is in an offense where they don't, it's going to, he's going to improvise. He's going to make some plays, but it's not going to be, you know, super pretty passing. You you need a strong run game. Like you said, he's phenomenal throwing on the move, set up the play action. He could have a lot of success, a lot of RPO stuff. I just, I don't know. It it feels like a franchise where he's not destined to succeed. Tough situation. Yeah. Yeah. I would kind of suggest the over on passing yards. Um, I'd forgot how they started started him off using him so like just stupidly insane um guys let's go to rushing yards obviously there won't be as many talking points as we have with the quarterbacks but still a really intriguing class probably an underwhelming one um and i am quite surprised that from what i can tell of the sophomore running backs the highest props are set for antonio gibson and Cam Akers, uh, two guys who weren't the highest drafted. I'm pretty sure Cam Akers was my highest ranked running back coming into that draft. Um, Gibson, much more of an intriguing, but we'll see how it pans out. Gibson going over a thousand. Anyone a believer in that? I, I can like see it. Him. He's explosive. Yeah. yeah. What's his touchdown uh, bet set at? Sorry, Hank, I didn't mean to interrupt you twice there. Okay. I was looking. 
Oh, uh, yeah. I mean, I like Gibson. Uh, I think that he has, like, the build to be an every-down back. Um, I think that what we saw was he got better as the season progressed. Um, I, I'm, I'm all in. Plus, like, who's the competition there even for those touches? Uh, J.D. McKissick, uh, Peyton Barber, and our guy Jarrett Patterson. Oh, that's right. Jarrett Patterson. Honestly, he scares me more than the other two. Um, I really like the Gibson rushing yard prop. I mean, I just think that this team and situation is built for it. I mean, it's a Ron Rivera team. It's going to be defense and ball exactly. running the football. Um, yep. I mean, it'd, be, it'd have to be a pretty high number for me to take the under just because of that situation. And not to mention, I really liked Gibson's talent last year. I liked him coming out. Um, I thought he'd be a better running back than wide receiver, and turns out he is. So I'm excited for him. And he went for 795 and 11 touchdowns last year, tied with Jonathan Taylor for the lead in rushing touchdowns. I, I think he was probably the best value pick out of this class, especially when you look at the the production or lack thereof from most of these running backs. I know they've all had moments. Taylor's had moments. Clyde Edward Hilaire's had moments. But even even so, I'm not sure I would justify a top 60 pick on any of these guys in hindsight. Should also yeah. be worth mentioning Gibson missed two games last year too. And I think he only had two games at 20 or more carry. I mean, he never broke 21. He only hit 20 carries. That was his ceiling. So there's just so much room to grow for him. And they were 20 for 128, 20 for 115. Yeah. Yeah. I With mean, three touchdowns and one touchdown. Those 11 tuds are interesting. Cam Akers certainly has me intrigued. Swift. <sighs> Obviously, the production wasn't great, and he's another guy. You got to know how to use him to get the most out of him. But, man, did I love his burst, receiving ability, and contact bounce at Georgia. And, you know, I, I do think it's been lost a bit in this hire with the, you know, the, the kneecap biting and all that kind of stuff. But Dan Campbell does come from the offensive staff for the New Orleans Saints. And if there's anyone who should know how to use DeAndre Swift, and if there's a mold you want to follow, it's the Alvin Kamara mode. Um, and I do think that, you know, with with those tight end heavy, more packages, they'll rely on him more as a receiver, and he could really have a nice jump this year. Because, I mean, damn, the talent's all there. The talent's all there. Swift's a ball. And even as lackluster as it was, or maybe slightly underwhelming in terms of what he did last year. He still averaged 4.6 yards a carry and went for eight touchdowns. So it's not like, you know, he was a bust by any means. I just think we've kind of scratched the surface on what he could be. You mentioned the new scheme, new offensive coordinator. Also Jared Goff, you know, he's a guy who I think is going to want to lean in on that. He, mm -hmm. he knows, you know, we saw it in Los Angeles. He'll, he'll dump it to running backs all day. Just yep. let him run on the outside, you know, make his job easy. Yeah, complete shift in philosophy from the quarterbacks. I mean, you got a gunslinger in Stafford, and now you got a guy who, I mean, he can sling it at times in golf, but he's better underneath and kind of just taking what the defense gives. I do like DeAndre Swift a lot, though. I think 900 is fairly low, especially when you look at the competition in his own backfield. I mean, Jamal Williams isn't bad. I'm a big fan, Hank, of Jamar Jefferson, um, but I don't think these guys are going to be able to really push DeAndre Swift enough to that they're threatening that 900 yard um, over under threshold. I mean, like we all, either me and Dre mentioned the talents there, man. I mean, he was really fun to watch at Georgia last year or two years ago. 
Yeah, I, I do think Jamal Williams is going to get quite a bit of run. Um, I think what he uh, so, so two hundred and one carries last year for Aaron Jones in Green Bay, one fifteen for Jamal Williams. So what? That's about two to one, and. Aaron Jones is better than DeAndre Swift. I think if anything, that's just in the favor. Jamar Jefferson scares me. I'm taking the under on the 900 and a half. But I do think in the passing game, uh, he will be used. I almost think that hurts the rushing prop value. Mm-hmm. Good point. Yeah. Um, J.K. Dobbins, and stop me if you've touched on this already, mm-hmm. nine and a half tuds which I find extra interesting since, surprise, surprise, he pulled out nine last year um, on just 134 carries um, and had 105 yards rushing. He should get more of the load now. He had some moments. He set out 1,050 and a half and nine and a half touchdowns. That'd be one where maybe low-key you can get you can get some pretty good value because Dobbins can can stack some yards, especially the touchdowns. I feel like they're going to want to protect yeah. Lamar. He's not that big body quarterback that you want to slam in at the goal line. If you get in, you know, in two three yards, Dobbins is great in those scenarios. And yeah. they don't have any big guys that they're going to be trying to get the ball to in the red zone. I guess you, you still got Mark Andrews at tight end, but in terms of the the receivers. Is that's an offense I expect roster? to score a lot. No, Ingram is Houston Texan. That's right, but, but yeah, I, I Philip Lindsay. All right, I like the I like the touchdowns better than the yards. But if I had to pick a side, I'd probably take both. Um, before we take a quick break and move on to the rookie, the sophomore wide receivers, and uh, we get to talk about Jerry Judy and the Broncos, I just want to leave you with. Um, Oh man, this isn't even the full. Oh, oh, here we go. Here we go. Okay. The Texans running back room, since we just touched on this briefly. Oh, uh, so you've got David Johnson. That's that's still happening. Mark Ingram, Philip Lindsay, Rex Burkhead. Um, yeah, that's a good time. That's a good That'd time. That'd be such a sick Madden 2016 roster. Uh, that's a good time. Yeah. 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 It would be. With uh, Jeff, Jeff Driscoll, Tyrod Taylor, and David Smills <laughs> at quarterback. Boy. Oh, boy. Yeah. Also, Come Jonathan Taylor. Taylor. Oh, we didn't go. Yeah, we didn't go over his no. props, huh? 1275 and a half yards. Jonathan Taylor. That's a lot. Ooh. Even with an extra game. It is. Also, Especially I mean, when you have... Three right. running backs. You got That's Marlon Mack. You got Naeem Hines. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he had a huge opportunity because Marlon Mack went down like week two or one last year. Yeah. And it really seemed like Jonathan Taylor was just going to run away with it. And I mean, he had a fantastic year for a rookie, but I think we kind of expected a bit more just from the player, the situation, the offensive line he had. Um, That's just a massive number with Marlon Mack coming back. Yeah. And the tough part is what it was eleven sixty nine last year, but yeah. with Matt coming back, does that workload go down? Five yards per carry, solid. He was only twenty one. I, 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 there's good reason for the line to be that high, but I think I probably take the under too. 
Yeah, and I tell you, um, like if with Justin Herbert, most of my concerns were ease that I had coming in. With Jonathan Taylor, all the concerns I had reared their reared their head. Um, and if he's not going to have an imp- more of an impact as a receiver, if he's not going to break long ones more, that last year might have been might be his peak production wise until he figures some things out. Because behind that O line and that system with a guy like Frank Reich calling the plays. He he underwhelmed last year, and uh, most fantasy players know that too. So yeah, I'm. I'll be in the uh, prove me wrong uh, line with Jonathan Taylor uh, until he does that. I, I won't be I won't be buying in on his stock. And I guess kind of a perfect guy to be doing this exercise because a lot of guys that we can talk ourselves into. Oh yeah, it's just it's right around the corner. The improvement we saw flashes. JT. A little more skeptical. I will add this, though. Last four weeks of the season, 7.5 yards for carry, 5.2, 4.1, 8.4, and he had seven touchdowns rushing in those four games. That's huge. Vegas, Houston, Pittsburgh, Jacksonville. That's sustainable. That's huge. Uh, Yeah. That's a tough one. Yeah. They are who we thought they were. We should all play Vegas, Jacksonville, Houston, and the other team you mentioned. Right. Yeah. That's why, like, he went for, like, 250-something in the last game. But that was uh, the Jaguars. And stats don't count when they're against the Jaguars. They were – Jags were taken for Trevor in that game, man. No, they must have been. Um, hit a read? Yeah, let's take a quick break, come back, and, and move on. Talk about a pretty fun receiver class. So, uh, DraftKings Sportsbook is not only my favorite sportsbook, it's also America's top-rated sportsbook. It's easy to navigate. There's instructions if you're a new better. There's a bunch of different ways that you can get in on all of the action. Um, Right now, they have an awesome offer. You can turn $1 into $150 insight credits when you pick the winner of any of these finals games. So who knows how many there will be left. There will be at least two. You, if you're a new user, can put $1 on either team to win the game and get $150 inside credit. There's kind of like a lull in the sports world right now, but even during like the slowest time of the year, it still feels like there's plenty to bet on. You know, you've got uh, the Open Championship. Just, oh, yeah. I don't really like, we don't need to get into that. I t- shared all my don't thoughts. Do it. Don't like do British it. British Open, the Open, whatever. Um, but you know, that's going on. You've still got some baseball. Um, personally, I'm in kind of like a, a low point in my relationship with baseball. We don't need to get to that, even though I guess Olympics um, yeah, coming up. Um, yeah, lots of good stuff, so much good stuff. And uh, you can get in on all of that with DraftKings Sportsbook, the number one rated sportsbook app in the United States. So, download the top rated DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use the promo code DMVR when you sign up. Turn $1 to $150 in free credits. Bet on the basketball team of your choice to win their next game. And if they do, you will claim $150 in free credits. That's promo code DMBR for a limited time. Only a DraftKings Sportsbook. Must be 21 or older. Colorado only. New customers only. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com slash Sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700. 
hundred. Also, want to give a shout out to our friends over at Green Mountain Dental Group. If you're looking for a new dentist, this is the place to go. They're conveniently located just 15 minutes away from downtown Denver in Lakewood. And actually a bunch of the DMVR family has checked it out, whether they're like my coworkers or whether they're people who like listen to the podcast and head, head out there. So far, have not heard a single bad review. Um, Allie and Lindsay went out there. They both were very appreciative of the service that they got from Green Mountain Dental Group. And that's what we expect from them. It's family-owned dentistry. They're huge Colorado sports fans. And that's why they advertise with us. Um, If you're looking for a place to go and be comfortable and get your teeth cleaned, that is the spot to be. Plus, if you schedule a cleaning, x-ray, and exam, you will receive a free Sonicare toothbrush. So make sure that you uh, take advantage of that and uh, tweet at us, tag us, tag them when you go there and show them how this community can support our biggest supporters. Um, Great content. Let's do it. Tight ends, wide receivers. Let's just start with Jerry Judy. Um, Obviously some drops, which regular listeners of the show wouldn't have been surprised by in the slightest. But we also know how electric he can be. We saw some of the yak ability, some of the route running ability, and uh, you'd expect to just see more of that. And that's why his number set at 920 receiving yards, uh, which, I don't know, getting a decent amount of respect. I guess 856 last year, so you should you should expect that kind of jump. Um, everyone in on the over here? We've also got him set at six and a, oh, oh no, we don't have a touchdown. We don't. don't. I'm, I'm, I'm in on the over, but again, this, if, if I'm not going to actually bet on it, I think that there's like some of these I say I'm in on, or I'm like, yep, taking that one. This one, the, the, just the threat of injury scares me. It just seems like it's been so rare for Broncos to string together a couple of healthy seasons um, and when you look at Jerry, he's just kind of a skinny guy and there's nothing wrong with that, but I do still have just a, a little bit of concern about whether he'll actually be able to play 17 games. Um, as long as he does, I like the over and I'm, I'm all, uh, by the time the season comes around, I'm going to at some point put money on this. I'm all in on the over. I mean, my only concern really is the quarterbacks. I mean, can they consistently get him the ball? Can he consistently catch the ball? That's really my only worry. I mean, I think if we have good quarterback play in Denver and the team is ideally all healthy and everything, I wouldn't be surprised to see Jerry Judy outpace Cortland Sutton when it comes to receiving yards. So I'm all in on this over. That's what I put in my notes. I I think people are down on Jerry Judy because he had the the one, you know, game with a bunch of drops. And I know it was kind of a lingering problem over a month or so, but it's obviously the one game that really exemplified it. With Cortland Sutton coming back, who's obviously going to command a ton of attention, I just feel like he's in for a big year. I mean, I think what Hank had to say about injuries is probably a valid concern, as is anybody. You're playing another game. You're coming off of a weird COVID season. Everybody. I mean, you got injury concerns all the time, but He's always open. The dude is always open. If you get the ball in his hands, it, it doesn't seem crazy that he could go for, you know, a thousand yards, especially given, you know, Drew Locke, he's going to want to stretch the field a little bit if he is the guy. 
I'm all in on Jerry Judy. I think this might be a hot take, but I think it wouldn't surprise me if out of all these 2020 wide receivers, he finishes with the, the most catches next year. Wow. That is interesting considering uh, Justin Jefferson, but most catches, not most yards. Yeah. I mean, catches. Yeah. Not yards. I think it's a properly set number. I think, um, you know, there's a lot of excitement for this Broncos receiving core. And if they can stay healthy, that's clearly going to open up a lot of room for Judy to operate in. And of course, this number would jump by, you know, the prop number probably jumps by like 150 yards, if not more. Um, the second any Aaron Rodgers report would go through. Um, so, you know, those are all factors to consider here. This would be an appropriately set number, not one that I would go in on either way. Um, yeah, I think that it, it's easy. There should be an assumed, uh, tick up for the Broncos offense, um, more so than in past years, but, um, yeah, we just got to see how everything falls into place as far as I'm concerned, mm-hmm. especially with the quarterback competition and all that. It'll be really nice to have a, an actual offseason and preseason and all that this year. Just for the for transparency reasons, you know, I I think it's really hard to be that confident on any prop when it comes to Broncos passing figures at the moment, just given that we don't know who the quarterback is going to be. And if you don't know who the quarterback is going to be, it's hard to imagine. Is it Teddy Bridgewater, Mr. Checkdown, that's going to be the quarterback? If if that's the case, I'm not sure I feel that great about the pro- the yards prop. But I don't know. Like Dre said, I am just excited to have preseason back. Also, just to see the young guys, I'm going on like a completely different side tangent now, but preseason football, actually good. Yes. And uh, the other thing I'll add is that like, I'm also concerned about the quarterbacks at the same time. He had 856 yards last year, and I don't think it's possible for the quarterback play to get worse. Like the only question is, will they find a way to be that bad again? And I think that'd be hard to do. I mean, they kind of hitting out there for one game. Yeah, no, I mean that it really isn't. It kind of assumes that he just performs of the level that he did last year with one more game without Kendall Hinton, and he should clear it easily. That yep. doesn't and even so factor healthy. in that he grows in a lot of ways, you know. Mm-hmm. I managed to touch my mic cord. That's what that was. Yeah. yeah, that's what that was. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. This all started, though, with Justin Jefferson, who, of course, was dominant a year ago. Um, 1,400 yards, seven touchdowns on 88 grabs. Um, Can he do it again? His receiving yards prop actually set lower than the 1,400 he pulled off a year ago. Just crazy. The thing is, is he made it look so effortless. And Thielen was hurt, you know, a decent amount of the season. So it wasn't like, you know, he was commanding top attention, especially by the end of the year. I don't know. This guy just feels like he's going to be a star for, for years to come. And if you're, if you're an Eagles fan listening, my condolences because uh, Jalen Rager going one pick before Justin Jefferson is going to be one of the all time draft. Uh, what ifs, if you're a, you know, a fan base, it's probably Deshaun Watson territory. 
What kind of numbers does Justin Jefferson put up in Philly last year, though? That's like, is it seven hundred? Is it is it a thousand? I'm not really sure. Well, I, I mean, still think he's a thousand yard receiver. Well, I, I don't know. Philly's such it's a tough. train wreck. Yeah. Yeah, at least what if? What if Justin Jefferson and Jerry Judy swap places? How yeah. well does Judy do with Kirk Cousins throwing in the ball? And totally, does Justin Jefferson struggle as much as Judy did? Well, I mean, the big equalizer here is Kirk Cousins. The veteran quarterback yeah. makes all the difference here. That's why Rhaegar's number is set at 675 and a half. That's another, like, stay away. Jefferson, though, I mean, again, it's lower than a year. We do have a new offensive coordinator with Clint Kubiak taking over. Mm-hmm. So it's going to be, you know, that ground heavy. They're going to try and go to the zone blocking, all that stuff, to yeah. really lean on Dalvin Cook. But also, I mean, it's going to create a ton of play o- play action opportunities and like chances to stretch the field. I just the yards, I'm all in on on Jefferson until I he gets hurt or I have a reason not to believe he's going to, you know, go out and torch defenses. I'm just going to assume he's going to keep on doing it. Yeah, with one more game, it's kind of like one of the better props we've covered all day. Um, is, there, yeah. is that a plus money? What it, if I take the over minus one ten? That's still worth it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, even. yeah, especially because looking back, like with an extra game. Saw, yeah, like there was the Peyton Manning year where he had like the fifty-five touchdowns, and now it's like, yeah, it was a great season. Also, he started with like seven in the first game and kept putting up crazy numbers early on, and so he's just in position to do that. Justin Jefferson had what? That's uh, 70 yards in the first two games combined. And from there, it's like 175, 103, 23, 166. But uh, it's not even like he got like a stupid start that, that you almost say is not replicable. Plus, he was young, too. I think as, yeah, as much as I uh, am concerned about this, like it just feels wrong. I'm going to, I'm going to take the over. That's just so many yards, so I got to do it. Yeah, if I had to go one way, I think I might go under receiving yards. I do like the over on the touchdown uh, prop, though, just because, I mean, you factor in the extra game, another year of coaching experience for Justin Jefferson, and frankly, only seven touchdowns last year. It just just seems a bit low for a guy that had as much of an impact as he did. Um, You know, maybe he's not that downfield big play guy that a lot of these other guys are in the class. Um, and maybe that's what limits his touchdown ceiling. But I just think that he's definitely capable of putting up double-digit touchdowns. And I um, would definitely not be surprised to see it done in year two. Yeah. Um, yeah, guy's a baller. And it's a good situation. And it's a different guy calling the plays, but it, there's some good schematic continuity in that all. And has been for years and it helps to have that quarterback continuity as it's well. not really changed i mean i should like i talked to bc johnson vikings wide receiver literally last night and he you know he's he's excited about it says not a whole lot's changing so for whatever that's worth you know yeah no total um cd lamb set at a thousand yards and a half he does get a quarterback back which is huge after going off for 935 last year um gosh that still is such an interesting question for me of the the cd jerry judy 
decision, um, especially with getting KJ the next pick. Would but you know you already had Cortland, so how do you balance? I still fit wise, Judy probably complements the other guys a little better. <laughs> but we're yeah. there. We're there. Yeah, I think that's really where the decision was made, though. Is just the pure route runner. I think fit in a bit more than the extremely athletic big play guy yeah. at that point in time. Yeah, no, it's true. Um, and you know, you're you're splitting hairs too because they were both such great talents, and it's, it's not like Judy doesn't have big playability. Um, Jake, you've been our touchdown prop guy so far. I think CeeDee Lamb at six and a half is really nice after the five he put up last year. You get Dak back. I think you'll break a few more big ones. We should get the seven tuds, right? I think so. Six and a half just sounds extremely low for a guy that was as highly touted as CeeDee Lamb was throughout the whole draft process in 2020. Um, yep. Just looking at his game logs too. I mean, the over-under for receiving yards, I believe, is right at a 1,000. This guy only had two 100 yard games last year. So but that's because think, go they ahead. got they got Michael Gallup, they got Amari Cooper. As somebody that had CeeDee Lamb in fantasy and was very frustrated by him, it's really hard to predict which one of those guys is gonna boom or bust. Totally. And that's where I'm I may I don't know. With an extra game, I still think he hits the over on the touchdowns, but obviously Zeke Elliott's gonna get a lot of red zone opportunities. They have Amari Cooper. I mean, Dak can even rush some in. It's just a situation where he could have a great year and still only end up with like six six touchdowns just because they have so many dudes on that roster to distribute the ball to. That's a good point. I just think that the talent of the player is only growing and getting better. And I just think that he's due for a bigger role this year um, than he was, I don't want to say limited to last year, just because... He definitely wasn't limited, um, and like you said, there was just so much talent around him in that receiving core that he kind of just had to play where they had like room for him to fit in at the time. So um, I just think that he's – I mean, Dre said it. Is, it was a legit conversation between Judy and Lamb. And I just think that Lamb can really blossom and grow as a player here under this rookie contract. Yeah. How did Ruggs go over both of them? And I like Ruggs. I, I, I like his ability to – but still. Yeah. yeah. I mean, his numbers set drastically low here because he's kind of a decoy, 725. Um, yeah. You I mean, could get lucky on rugs with hidden over just because every now and then he just randomly catches like a 60 yard pass from Derek Carr. But yeah, they're, they're basically just sending him out there to run and try and pull the safety. And, and that's about it. Yeah. yeah, I mean, you're, CD's you're, a tough one for me. We have more. I mean, it's I, another one where I just want to stay away. I mean, first of all, like he played so much of the year without Dak, and having Dak changes everything. But also, I don't think I mean what everybody's saying. Like, oh, he was the favorite to be the MVP at the time, and and he was because of the numbers. But I don't expect that Dak or that offense again this year. And so it's just like the you expect more than what you had last year, but how much more? And with those sorts of expectations, I mean, I I'll probably take the over just because of the talent, but uh, it's it's a tough one to gauge. 
Fair enough. Um, what other rookie receivers? Pittman, Claypool. Claypool. Cole Komet. It was really a bad tight end class. So yeah. KJ Hamler, LaVisca Chenault, we don't have props for, which I think kind of tells you. Chenault surprising. Yeah. yeah He's that, go. that offense, you know, you're wondering where all the touches are going to come. I mean, there's there's a lot to be figured out with that. Well, and how do they use yeah. him, you know, even like yeah. depending on is, is he going to be in the backfield a bunch? Or are they going to try and run the ball? Is he going to be that hybrid, you know, running back, almost a position that hasn't really existed in the NFL, but gets used in college where it's you know, you're kind of a running back, kind of a receiver. Uh, he's a tough cookie. I'm taking the over, though. I'll tell you that this is going to be, I think, I think the, the year he breaks out. I think there's like the reports coming out of camp that he's the their best skill position player and he's become the favorite target for Trevor Lawrence and all that stuff. And sure, that's not things that we can actually see ourselves. It's just secondhand, but it adds up. Like you just don't see guys. Like there was the video of them yesterday, him and whoever else and Trevor Lawrence just like jumping in the water. It's like, look at that man. Like he's going to he's going to put up numbers this year I, I, I feel good about that not going to bet against him he's you just like you said you look at him standing next to him you can just tell he's not a normal human being but I don't know I've also heard it for three years now you know this is the year that LaVisca finally does what he's supposed to and granted injuries and it was a weird quarterback situation at the end of CU and his first year in Jacksonville but I'll believe it when I see it his, yeah, he does um, have a reception number set at 60 and a half. I'd take the over on that just because he could get dump offs and stuff, even. That's yeah, not that many he, catches in 17 games. I mean, he had 58 last year. Yeah. Yeah, that's pretty nice. Um, I would bet on that. But again, the I think there can be a lot of value in that Jaguars offense because under Urban and a new quarterback, we really don't know what to expect. We're going to um, actually save tight ends and the best of the rest for the third and final segment where maybe there's my favorite prop of all. And we get to get into all the defenders. Will Isaiah Simmons have a bounce back? Jeff Okuda. What's is the sky, the limit for chase young and all that other stuff. So stay tuned. Quick break for us. Summer is here. Are you ready to unveil your beach pod? Well, you're in luck because our friends at Manscaped just launched their fourth generation performance package, which includes the Lawnmower 4.0. You heard that right, the 4.0. Compliment your summer bod with a trim from the leaders in male grooming. The sun is shining and calling your name, fellas. So make sure you join the 2 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped and get ready for hot guy summer by going to manscaped.com for 20% off and free shipping with the code DNVR. Uh, so many great products. I mentioned a lot more 4.0. They also have the Weed Whacker Ear and Nose Hair Trimmer, uh, the, the Crop Preserver Ball Deodorant, the Crop Reviver Toner, the Performance Boxer Briefs, a travel bag, and you can get all of that with that performance package. They have a bunch of other products too, a bunch of other, they're like liquid formulations. Um, and you should uh, look into those as well. Uh, Lawnmower 4.0, though, it's, uh, it has a 7,000 RPM motor. Uh, it's a multi-function on-off switch. It gives you a bunch of different options. 
LED spotlight and all that kind of stuff really are just great products. And now is the time to get them because you can get 20% off and free shipping with the code DNVR at manscaped.com. That's 20% off and free shipping with the code DNVR at manscaped.com. There it is. Escape the shrubs and weeds this summer and shine with Manscaped. They still young. Um, kind of love it. So I'd say the two standouts from a year ago were Antoine Winfield and Chase Young on the defensive side. One won a Super Bowl. The other uh, really, really turned that football team um, around. And um, but Jeremy Chin was pretty good too. Jeremy Chin was phenomenal. As I mentioned um, in the lead-up, there were also several disappointments, and two were the top defensive prospects. So what do we expect um, out of Isaiah Simmons in year two and out of Jeff Okuda in year two with a new staff? Isaiah Simmons is a bit tougher, even though he looked a bit better, I think, last year, just Mm -hmm. because of the position um, and, frankly, the prospect. I mean, he's really a unicorn just at that size strength and speed um it's just a matter of putting it all together i think in terms of finding that position uh coaching him up into that position and just kind of letting him grow in one role rather than trying to spread him around which i think is kind of what the cardinals started to do towards the end of the year um or maybe he just started to get it a bit more okuda's tougher to me i mean that's just Corners are just hard, man, especially with these. Yeah. 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 It's going to be really tough. And uh, in that new system, you wonder where he's going. I mean, I thought he he was just an unbelievable talent. But, yeah, corners, you, you need to be locked in. You need to have that confidence. I mean, it's a, it's a tough life being stuck out on island. Well, the tough part about corner props as well is they're somewhat dependent on – you know, what opposing offenses are doing against you too. You know what I mean? Like go back to 2006 when teams just stopped throwing at champ Bailey after he had his massive year. I mean, if you would have like gone in before that and been like, what's the over under, can I get four picks for champ? Everyone's like, Oh yeah, I'll take the over. And then they just don't throw at you. I don't, it just feels like a, a tough water to navigate when it comes to sports betting. It's a big issue in IDP betting as well. Yeah, and we should mention that with these, we don't have a ton of props. Um, we actually, I, all that I can find is Chase Young. Sacks, he had seven last year. Actually, maybe seven and a half. Seven and um, a half, yeah. And we have it set at eight and a half. I'm I would take the over, over on that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean... I want to, but there's just so there's three other first round uh, or first round prospects on that defensive line that could really generate sack numbers also. So it's true, and no more Kerrigan anymore. Um, yeah, and I tell you, I've got I'll be very intrigued by Clavon Chasson. Uh, you know that Jaguars draft was underwhelming with C.J. Henderson, Chasson, and uh, Chenault, but lots of upside for all three of those guys and if they all kind of hit you're really looking at a phenomenal class um and then you know this o-line group was so fun going in it's been fun seeing them play out like Worfs really stood out among all just naturally 
Andrew Thomas had his struggles, but then turned it around a bit. Jedrick Wills was amazing in Cleveland, despite playing on the left side. Um, that was it was really well too. One of the best, yes, exactly. One of the best rookie tackle classes I can remember. Austin Jackson's already slated in to play a left tackle for Miami, so they're already being given huge responsibility. Kenneth Murray's a guy I wish I had some props on. He played great. Over 100 total tackles, over five tackles for a loss last year for the Chargers. Um, and a fun guy to watch, even though he plays for the Chargers. Yeah, he was surprising. He was the guy I did for the draft guide last year. And I didn't really come away a big fan. And I, I don't know what's going on with the Chargers because they took Murray and Herbert, both guys I wasn't huge on. And they looked awesome. The tackles right coming out more polished the last five years or so. Or is that maybe maybe putting an unfair or not enough information at this point? No, I think it was the opposite until this class. Um, you were actually, you know, guys aren't in, as prepared. They're not even, you know, they're not even playing with their hand to the ground at tackle. It's all spread. Uh, they, you know, it's all RPO, so you don't even have to like really get into pass sets. It's all just a standard rumble. It's, you know, there's, there's a lot of things in modern college football. They're actually limiting the development um, and ability to contribute immediately to offensive tackles. So I think this class was an absolute anomaly, especially um, Thomas had pretty natural struggles, but Wills in his conversion, Becton in that offense, Worse with what you're being asked of in an offense with Tom Brady and Bruce Arians, that is not an easy offense to pick up year one, man. And he was just flawless. Um, so, no, I, th I think it really speaks to how unique and NFL-ready and just absurdly talented this group from 2020 was. So I just wonder if they're their knowledge at least is superior. You know, I, I think everything you just mentioned, especially the teams that are – coming out and, you know, coming out of the spread, that's going to be detrimental to your, your physical development. But, you know, they talk about quarterbacks and like coming into college high school quarterbacks, because they all participate in these camps from like the sixth grade on their ability to read defenses yeah. is just superior every year. We're just seeing guys get better and better. And you have people like Trent Dilfer saying it's only going to increase because we're just seeing more of these guys specializing, right. specializing. These quarterbacks are just going to get better and better. You would think some of that at least, would have to rub off on the tackles too. Cause there's gotta be, you know, a little bit of sync yeah. there, but you would think that there's more specialized training and what have you. you would so, think, uh, yeah. I got to ask McChesney about it. Exactly. Yeah. If you go back to April, 2020 and you're Dave Gettleman, who do you take? Cause assume you're assuming <laughs> not take Andrew Thomas, right? <laughs> Which one would you take? <laughs> Justin worse? Herbert is the correct answer, but yeah. Oh, okay. well, yes. If we're going <laughs> if we're going tackles worse. Yeah. yeah. Um, it's a great question. Um I mean Beckton too, man. I I can't really did he have injury concerns around the draft last year? Is that why he slid a bit? I think there was just slightly like, is he a little too big as you know? He's going to have to play at 360, not a smidge above, or then we start to get sloppy, you know. Um, but beyond that, not really. But between him and worse, that's a, I mean, 
I know. Well, and Wills too. I think I go Werfs over Wills just barely. Just barely. Hmm. Yeah, I think I might take Beckton if I'm Dave Gettleman and I go back in his time. I mean, I couldn't follow you. Probably more upside still, arguably, than anyone yeah. else. What a group. What a group. Yeah, I mean, the Broncos were positioned so nicely with their two big needs tackle, wide receiver being right there. Of course, Tampa trades up to to kind of steal the last of the top tackles, but um, it really set up nicely. Jerry Judy's going to have to play to his full potential to really prove that that was how things lined it's up. It's hard to justify, though, even with even if you're all in on Judy, and I'm as all in as you can be. I have his jersey with the availability of wide receivers and how you can just plug and play guys finally to go back to back when you what. We just talked about how special all these tackles are. I don't know. It's it didn't slip though. And in fairness, we all wanted a tackle going into that year because Bulls was a bum at left tackle. Now Bulls also fair. It's a good point. Contract. That's true. But doesn't take away that they've been horrendous at right tackle for like six years. A quick question, uh, going back to wide receivers before we end here. Of all the guys we didn't mention. Who do you think would have the best year? So guys like uh, Gabe Davis, Darnell Mooney, uh, Tyler Johnson, Brian Edwards, Denzel Mims. Who do you think would have the biggest year? Because my guy's Gabe Davis. I think Gabe Davis is in for a monster year. That was going to be mine too. I've got him in my dynasty league for that reason. <laughs> Same. I'd say don't sleep on Pittman. Oh, Pittman too, yeah. Claypool. Does Claypool qualify? Is he a tier above? He was good. Like, he it was has. playable in fantasy last year. I feel like that's yeah. a good bar. No, he was Claypool was otherworldly at times. Uh, that offense just scares me. You know, and I always loved Mims. And Zach Wilson's going to need a guy like Mims. I was but about did, to bring He feels sneaky. I don't know. Uh, yeah. yeah. I mean, he's, you know, he's like... 6'2", super long, and he's he runs a 4-3. Like, his flashes um, at Baylor were something else. He could really make some incredibly tough grabs. Um, but we'll see. We'll see. Yeah, his, he's an intriguing. His injury was like a freak injury, right? Or was it a neck injury or something that was just kind of weird? Oh, it says hamstring here. Just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Well, but those scare you. I mean, that's, you know, that's the concern with KJ is the hammy, especially speedsters. That that stuff really worries you. Uh, Especially with Hamler, because if he doesn't have his speed, he doesn't have a 6'2 frame, monster frame to go get those contested catches. If he's not burning, guys, he doesn't have a place on the field. Exactly, 100%. Well, this was fun going back, looking at 2020 and kind of the expectations we have going into year two for that class. That was a pretty damn good class too. Um, we, we should all hope that this next one's that good. Um, as always, we are the draft pod. Stay tuned or, you know, tune in next week as uh, it's almost August around the corner. Almost have to start to get into some real previews, boys. It's, uh, it's coming. So yeah, that's going to be exciting. Always follow all these guys on Twitter. Follow the NBR Rams, the NBR buffs um and yeah horns down next week horns Horns down down, baby horns down let's go